This is Lena van Zilberg for Biz News. On the banks of the Thames River in London, there's a well-known restaurant among the business sector of the area called High Timber. The owner and manager is Nadine Strauss, originally from Bloemfontein, who have managed to survive the lockdowns in London despite a growing list of restaurants that have closed down. It includes giants like the Café de Paris that achieved notoriety for staying open at the start of the First World War. Gutsy and with the Freedom of the City of London award under her arm, Nalene is ready to set off as London reopens, hopefully permanently. She told Business about her spat with Boris Johnson, sad Christmases and how she managed to stay afloat while others failed. Joining me now is Nalene. Hi Nalene, how do people immediately know that your restaurant is owned by a South African? It's my fantastic accent, I guess. Uh, <laughs> no, we've also... <laughs> We've got African art, we've got a rhino, and the rhino's got one of Faf de Klerk's onobrookies on her bum with a South African flag. But otherwise, we're not overtly South African. And we're very friendly. I mean, South Africans are friendly. Not real Faf de Klerk undies, aren't they? <laughs> no, no. It's a, but he gave it to us in uh, March 2020. We had a massive rugby, rugby function, yeah? And he was, yeah, and he was very sweet and he was dishing out undies. So everyone wanted his undies. So you know, among the business sector, how has that been going? Um, at the moment, we're very quiet because work from home doesn't work for us. We're in the square mile in the centre of London. And when Boris decided everyone's working from home, all our bookings cancelled, we went very, very quiet. But luckily, they changed the whatever the COVID rules are and work from home is no longer happening. So our bookings are coming in fast and furiously from next week, which makes us very happy to make my bank manager happy as well. So how did it go in the past two years? How did you manage to survive? Firstly, my landlord was super kind. We've been here for 13 years now and he was just really, he didn't charge us rent when we were closed. And oh. then uh, he also charged us a percentage. I'm only paying full rent from now on. Our customers, which are the best customers in the world, bought a lot of wine during lockdown, obviously at discounted prices. Our suppliers looked after us. Everyone looked after us. There was literally our managing agents did not look after us. They put our, our service charge up from £5,000 to £15,000. I'm still fighting it. I've got the help of a lawyer. But they were really the only bad people in the whole COVID tale. So I'm, I'm very lucky. If I look around what happened in London and how many restaurants have closed, that, that's a really good news story. But it seems that eventually now you can fully open and really get it going. Yes, now we were fully open. November was a fantastic month. It was really a good month. Christmas was very sad. We've had two sad Christmases in a row, which is not good for any restaurant business because you cover your January losses with your profits from Christmas. But um, I think it's looking up. I'm very, very positive. I've got a fully staffed kitchen for the first time in two years. Not fully staffed uh, front of house team yet, but I'm working on that. And yeah, I'm very positive. I think it's going to go very well later on in 2022. Nalene, you're known for having handed over a bill of £90,000 to Boris Johnson when he was mayor of London because of loss of business during the 2012 Olympics. Were you tempted to do it again during all the lockdowns? No, no. The lockdowns was not Boris's fault. 
the way they run it is their own. I mean, I don't blame this government or any world government massively for how they handled the pandemic. They had no hindsight. But the Olympics, when Boris's voice was on all the underground tube stations telling people not to come into London, they're going to get trampled, stay away from London. I don't think there was a work-from-home ethic then yet. But um, he literally told everyone to stay the hell out of London. So London became a ghost town. On a Thursday night at 11 o'clock, you could get any black cab in the history of the world because there'd be seven from that side and ten from that side, which is unheard of. So it's, it's, it's not always that good for the economy when he opens his mouth. That's my opinion. So my opinion's not a fact, by the way. So did he, did he pay up? <laughs> no, no, but it made news headlines. So I had a few accounting firms that in, send out internal emails Basically, like, go and eat with Nalene because otherwise she won't stop moaning. So I was lucky. <laughs> As I said, I've got fantastic customers. Yeah, I'm sure the customers are there because, because not only because of the food and the South African wine, but because of your personality. Well, how did somebody from Bloemfontein end up running a restaurant right on the Thames? Because you've got a beautiful view. Sometimes I think it's stupidity. Um, no, I mean, it's, I was sent here by Browns of Ravonia to open Viva Bacchus, which is another restaurant, which is still oh. going. And um, I wanted my own place. So the landlord showed me this venue a lot of times. We had to build it. So it was a building site and the beautiful oh. view was um, covered with scaffolding. And every time I came to look at it, it was snowing skew outside. It was those horrible London winter days. And I didn't want the place. But every time I walked away, the rain came down. And on the fourth time, they took the scaffolding off, and it was a beautiful, crystal clear, blue sky London day. And I thought to myself, what did I not see before? Yeah, I want this place. So, yeah, that's how I got Timber. The Jordan family, Gary and Kathy, decided they want to be my business partners along, uh, about a year before this. So I sent them videos of the place, and they said, that looks fantastic. And um, I didn't want them as business partners because they're really good friends. They live in Sussex now, so I see them often. They're even better friends now, which is weird, but it's fantastic. Do you stock a lot of South African wines? Yeah, I've got about 25,000 bottles. I love the wine thing. I'm not the world's great. I don't know a lot about wine. I know a little bit on how to sell it. I know a little bit about South African wine. I love traveling for wine, going to different wine regions of the world. It's very interesting, and I can't wait for all these COVID restrictions to to go away. And I think it will be March so that I can go to Italy and drink a bit of Amarone in Verona with the opera. That's my thing that I'm looking second most forward to, after mm. visiting South Africa, of course. Well, how long since you've been? To South Africa? Mm. One year and seven days. <laughs> Not that you're counting. So do you stock a lot of South African wines? Yes, Stellenbosch. The majority of the wines here are from Stellenbosch and Hermanus, Swatland. I mean, there's a lot of interesting areas in South Africa that pops up every now and again. I've got wines from the Karoo, from Prisca, um, which is uh, interesting and delicious. And uh, yeah, Elgin, Cape Town, all over the place. I've got no wines from Bloemfontein, but I think they are making it there. Are they now making wines from Bloemfontein? <laughs> They should. I'm sure they do. There's some wines from the Oranya Rafi somewhere. So, Were there stages in the past two years that you battled to import from South Africa? Um, no, not really. We didn't import a lot because we were closed most of the time. And um, 
I just got my Cat Winemakers Guild shipment. That took a while to get here because of lorry drivers and Brexit and supply chain issues. But it's here now. So it's all the white things that's wrapped in white behind me are Cat Winemakers Guild. I love those <laughs> wines. Do you think this has been the last of the lockdowns? London is London. Londoners will do their thing the way we wanted, they wanted to do. They will wear moss if they want to. They won't if they don't. I think Londoners are unique. They're a bit like South Africans. They can stomach a lot. You know, they can get whacked, but they get up again. So, but I think it will be the last. We'll have to live with this thing. I think everyone should get their vaxxers and their boosters. And um, then it will become less and less. It might stay with us for our generation, but that's something we don't know. So, Have you seen a return of tourists to London? Not a lot, no. No, I walk past St. Paul's twice a day, and I mean, that's how I tell it. No, there's not a lot of tourists yet. The bit of the lockdown that I really enjoyed was I would jog from my flat to High Timber. It's, it's not that far. And um, I'd stand at the river and look at the view, and all the seagulls were missing because they're not, they don't belong here. But there were geese, low-flying geese, and lots of white swans, black swans. There were two otters and a seal. I mean, the nature just took over in in the square mile in London. There were all these things I've never seen before. It was fantastic. I like that part. And now do, have they left? Yes, no, they've gone back to wherever. We've got seagulls back because they're scavengers, and um, they can scavenge again. Just tell us um, the, the last story about that big mushroom in your entrance. <laughs> Why do you want the one with the police? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's a street artist and um, he put it outside and we had massive winds and gale force and storms in London. So I brought it in later. But while it was still outside, I had it on the wall of the river because it so that people can see us. Uh, we, we were I mean, we it's it's quite a difficult restaurant to find. So I thought, let me put this mushroom because it will draw attention. And the river police stopped and they asked me, why have you got that thing? And they were very rude to me, and they're normally not rude. I mean, the London, London police force is really friendly, and they were agitated. And I looked at them, I said, why, what do you want to know, you know? He says, why have you got it then? I said, well, I've got it, yeah, to, because my rhino feeds off it. It's to feed my rhinoceros. <laughs> and they were not happy me with me. They stripped, as uh, to put it in South African English, and they got on their radios, and they called the city police and the Met police, Whoa. and I don't know why. And the city police knows me. I mean, they have coffee here when it's cold, and I've got a very good relationship with it. And they took their time to get here, and um, they said, Nalene, the river police, and they saw the fake statue of a rhino, and they both start laughing, and uh, they radioed the river police back, so there is an actual rhino, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Everything's under control. So they saw the humor in it, so. And um, you have the freedom of the city of, of London, <laughs> How did you get it, and what is it, what rights does it give you? I think they gave it to me so I can stop moaning. The best right it gives you is uh, if I get drunk and disorderly, they have to put me in a cab and take me back home. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a lovely thing to have. And what Nalene was trying to tell us before technology failed us is that she's also allowed to chase sheep across London Bridge and she might just go and fetch a couple of dorpers from a friend's farm in Sussex. 